Amen. Judy, I'm probably going to get you to sing that in the invitation tonight. So if you'd be ready for that, and Rob, if you'd be ready for that, I appreciate that very much. What a great song. That is perfect for the message tonight. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 6. Had a great afternoon. Got to spend some time with my dad uh, this afternoon. Ruthie and I did. We had a wonderful time. And uh, good to be back. And uh, there's some folks here tonight that have come back to Bethel. I said, isn't it good to be home? And it is. It's good to be back and see everybody and see how you're doing and uh, see how you're progressing. Uh, do pray for Pastor. He does have COVID, but he's uh, doing okay. He texted me before the service. He said, keep it short. Uh, that's always an encouragement. And um, I told him, you just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride tonight. But uh, he's doing okay. He's at home and uh, in good spirits, as usual, and appreciate that. And I heard from Ida today as well, so very encouraging note, so appreciate that. And so good to be back. Good to be at home, and uh, good to have you here. I want you to finish the sentence for me tonight. Would you do this? Finish the statement. I feel like I'm losing my... My mind. How come we all know that phrase? <laughs> because there are times when we feel like we are absolutely going to lose our minds. Let me ask you this tonight. You don't have to answer, but have you ever felt that way? I mean, seriously? You ever felt that way? Uh, there's been two times in my life when I, I really thought I was going to lose my mind. I went through a period of sleep deprivation um, about a year or so ago. I just, I just could not get some sleep. I just tried everything and, and uh, struggled. And uh, after several days, I really felt like I was going to lose my mind. I told my wife, if I don't get some sleep, I'm going to lose it. And so I did some things that helped. I, uh, I changed some habits before going to bed. I tried not watching TV or watching anything that was, you know, high energy or charged, just something maybe a little, little, uh, less. I, I took some nap- natural sleep aids. I took some, uh, uh, stuff, some gummy things that you can take. I think it's, uh, um, what's that stuff called? Marijuana? Uh, no, that wasn't it. No, that was, that was for something else. Um, uh, took some melatonin. That's what it is. Melatonin. Took that. And, uh, I, I, I didn't drink Tim Horton's coffee for a day or two. That helped me. That's got some caffeine in it. Took that out. I was very grouchy, but I, I felt a little better. And then I increased my time in the Bible and especially prayer. And I find that that really brought a change. And you know what? After, after a night or so, I got sleep and I felt great. Over these past 18 or 19 months, I don't think I'm alone. There have been times when I felt the same way. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I wasn't able to preach. Churches weren't having services. The restrictions, the fear, all the things that were going on. I, I got to a place where I thought, I'm absolutely going to lose it. I've got to do something. So we headed to Florida for a couple weeks. And I sat in the sun. And I, I did my devotions on the patio. And I ate at some great restaurants. And I have to tell you, after a few days, I felt great. Dr. Strachan used to say this when we were preacher boys class. He said, you're going to get to a place in your ministry where you're really going to get fatigued. You're going to get run down. You're going to get discouraged. He said, when that happens, go out and buy yourself a steak dinner. Now, back in those days of Bible college, we didn't have enough to buy a tube steak, a hot dog, let alone a steak. But I knew what he meant after a few years of pastoring. I I knew exactly what he meant. And there were times when I'd go out and just bought a good meal and it helped me feel better. But I have to tell you this, there are times when that does not help. And there are situations and, and times where people don't find escape that easy and the mind suffers. We know that through this COVID time that, that suicides have drastically increased. People, people are losing their minds. People are distraught. People have been isolated. 
We have some neighbors, and, and they've been very, very troubled through this thing. And she's had some health issues and some different things. And, and they basically have not left their house other than a doctor's appointment or maybe uh, to have to get some groceries, have really not left their house for the last two years. It's troublesome to me. I, I ask them, how can you do that? And they're just, well, we've got we've to stay safe, got to stay safe. And, and so they're dealing with that. And, and it's been hard. And there are people, and I'm sure people in this auditorium tonight, that through life have suffered some things, maybe a sleep deprivation, maybe a very tragic incident in your life, maybe loneliness, maybe a feel of failure has brought you to a place where you think, I'm going to lose my mind. Sometimes the problem is a physical abnormality. I want to make that very clear tonight. I think in past, preachers, Church people, Christians, often thought that, you know, we could resolve every issue we've got if we just read the Bible and pray more. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to tell you to do that tonight. But there are times when there is a physical abnormality. We had a young man in this church when I was a kid, and he got involved in drugs very heavily. He was a prominent family in the community, and some of you would remember the name if I said it. And he's a fine young man, but he, he really, he just started to go out of his mind, we used to hitchhike when I was a kid. Remember that? Number three highway is a great place to hitchhike. There's always somebody going down the road that probably knew you. And many people from church stopped and picked me up and gave me rides. And one time I was driving and I saw this young man on the side of the road and he had his thumb out. And so I stopped and, and uh, we had some people in the, in the truck I was driving. I said, you can drive in the back. And we were driving down the road. And all of a sudden I feel the bed of the truck bouncing up and down. And I look in the rearview mirror, and here's this kid in the back, and he's jumping up and down, pretending he's playing the guitar in a moving vehicle down highway number three. And I, I, I open the window, I said, hey, sit down, sit down in the back of that truck. He looked at me, he's laughing, he's jumping around. I pulled over, I said, buddy, you got to sit down. You're, if you fall out of this truck, you're, you're going to get hurt. And so I got him sat down and calmed down. And I, I later found out that he had a condition. He'd used so many drugs that he had dried up the, the, the fluid that's in the brain that keeps the electrical impulses even. This guy would go from being the happy, loving guy to just enraged in seconds of time. It was a physical abnormality. And there are times when people suffer depression and anxiety. They, they suffer hardships because of something physical. And I've learned this, that people that do have that often are directed to a medication, but here's the problem. They don't want to take their medication because it makes them almost a zombie-type person. They don't feel like they're really living. They don't feel like they can be themselves. And so there's a, a great conflict there. And so they, they want to do away with those things, but it doesn't help the physical. So I want to make sure that you understand tonight. I realize that there are times when we're going to need help beyond just the Bible and prayer. And even through those other things, Bible and prayer doesn't hurt. So I want you to know that. I want to begin tonight by looking at a man that we'd never dream would struggle with fatigue of the mind. That would ever struggle with depression, anxiety. And I believe we see in our text tonight even suicide. But he did. I said this morning that we had a firefighter in town that just took his own life. And as I talked to the other firefighters, I heard a resounding um, cry of the same statement and we hear a lot of times when people take their own lives they said this I never dreamed that he would do that one guy said to me if I had to put 50 names of guys that I think would commit suicide he would have been number 49 or 50 what happened what happened 
Why would somebody who we think has got it all together, somebody who's, who's in the game, somebody who's uh, successful, somebody who's got a good job, he was married, had children, why would somebody with all those things come to a place in their life where they want to take their own life? I'll tell you why, because he thought he was losing his mind. His wife said, I'm leaving you. And he started to think that he was going to lose all that he had financially, physically. He's going to lose his children. And it became so burdensome to him, he took his life. I know some Christians who have taken their lives, and we often don't think that Christians would because we're Christians. We can handle it. We got the church, got the Bible, got Christ, got the Holy Spirit. But there are just times in life when things become so great that we put those things aside and we no longer see them. And all we see is the problems that we bear. This man tonight, you know him well, a man killing wild animals with his bare hands, a military champion, a man who thought he was losing his mind. That man, of course, is the man of our text, David. Would you go with me to Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2? Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2. It says there, as I get there, in Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2, it says this, O Lord, this is verse 1, sorry, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chase me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Verse 3, my soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Here's a man, a mighty man. You think of the most manly man that you know tonight. I've got some, some men in my life that I would say were manly men. They were usually construction workers. Dave's here tonight. Dave was one of my first bosses. He was building barns, pack barns. And he hired me as a 15-year-old kid. I'm sure he regretted it many times after that. But he, he taught me some things. He is a tough guy. I saw him. I'd try to do things, and he'd, he'd get frustrated. He'd push me out of the way. He'd say, no, I'll show you. And, man, he'd get in there and rip and tear. and Just a wild man. Tough guy. I saw him hit his thumb with a hammer a few times. And he stopped and prayed and thanked Jesus for all the good things in his life. <laughs> My dad, construction worker. I think some of you guys are truck drivers. I think some of you guys that, that work some of those jobs, those dirty jobs, you know, and some of those. You think of that guy tonight. I, I think of David like that. He, he was a man's man. He was out with the sheep at night and attacked by a bear, and he kills it with his bare hands. Who does that? Goes against Goliath, the mighty Goliath, and in the name of the Lord, he takes that sling and fires that stone. Knocks that giant down, takes a sword off and cuts his head off and holds it up. That's a man. My wife gets after me sometimes. I like old Western movies. How many of you guys like those old Western John Wayne, those old Clint Eastwood, those guys? You know what I like about it? Somebody usually gets hanged in one of those movies. My wife says, why do you watch those movies? Somebody's always getting hanged. I said, because as a man, sometimes you just got to see another man die. <laughs> That's good. It's good, good for a guy to see somebody die. Now, if you don't like those tonight... I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> David was hurting. That tough man, that tough guy was hurting. He, he was in a terrible place. He was on the ledge. 
He, he was that place where he was ready to step off and end it. This great conqueror man, the king of Israel, he had all the money, he had all the power. He had women, he had possessions, he, he had everything that any man would want. He had, he had it all. And he says, oh Lord, I am vexed. I'm really hurting. I am weak. That's hard for a man to say. No man ever wants to say that. Until he gets sick, and then he wants his wife to know that he is. Honey, can you bring me an aspirin? Come on, man. We, we, we're like that. We, like, we got to soak it once in a while. When you hang a guy on Tuesday, you don't feel very good on Thursday. You need an aspirin. Honey, could you bring me some soup? Honey, you wise know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's David crying out, my bones are vexed. I ache. I'm sore. I'm miserable. David had but one view in his terrible time. He says, mine eye is consumed because of grief. In chapter 7 and 8, he begins to look at things differently and he changes his view to God's goodness and his mercy and his grace. And in doing so, he regains his sanity. He leaves that time of sorrow and vexation and he begins to rejoice and he begins to find joy and he begins to find life again. When he takes his eyes off his own problems and begins looking at the mercy and grace of God. And could I tell you tonight that there are many of us that are suffering in this life because we look too much inwardly and not enough upwardly. Here's what we do. And I find myself doing the same thing. We look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. The Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're foolish to do that. There are some of you here tonight who have much more than I do. You have more money, you have a bigger house, you have a nicer car, all those things. If I look at my life and look at your life and I compare myself to you, I could get very discouraged. I could say, well, you know, I, uh, maybe I could have had that if I had a different job, or maybe, maybe I could have attained those things. It's dangerous to do that. I have to look at what I am and where I am and what I've got. And what we do is we always try to find that one thing. And this is a terrible thing. I have apologized to my wife for this, but there was a time where my wife would clean the house all day. Guys, you know we do this. She cleaned the house all day. She did the meal that I like. She had everything ready. I come in and I find the one thing that's not right. Man, there's dirt on the floor here. Oh, there's something sticky on the doorknob. Oh, man, something's burnt. <laughs> we find that one thing. And when you key on those one little things that are wrong enough, you'll begin to lose your mind. You start looking at your life and look at all that's wrong, you'll lose your mind. we got to look at the good things. Number one, we have Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, amen? Number two, we have a home in heaven. Number three, we've got friends and family all around us that oftentimes we neglect or, or push aside in times of trouble when we ought to draw them in. There's nothing wrong with calling up somebody and saying, hey, I'm hurting, can you help me? There's nothing wrong with that. We look at those little things that we don't have and the troubles that we've got, and pretty soon we become like David, and we say, I am, I'm weak, my bones are vexed, my soul is vexed. Lord, how long, how long do I have to feel this way? How long am I going to be sorrowful? I want to show you now what we can do when we think that we're losing our minds to try and avoid that or overcome that. Number one tonight, we must put our mind in order. We must put our mind in order. Before I give you this, let me make clear again that 
When there are physical abnormalities of the mind, a doctor may be required to help you in this process. That's when all I'm going to give you may not seem to solve the issue. If you go through these three things I give you tonight and still after some serious time and some dedicated time to those things, you feel that you still are not getting to that place where you should be in a better place, I want you to call your doctor. I want you to make an appointment and say, Doc, could you give me a physical? There's something not right with me. I'm not what I was. I'm not in a good place. And let that doctor help you. There's nothing wrong with that. God gave us doctors for a reason. He gives us medicine for a reason. And and let them try and find if maybe there's not something wrong. To start tonight in in the process that I want to give you, we're going to start with the words of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to give you a few verses tonight because I want you to see the scriptures has some help. It talks a lot about the mind. It talks a lot about um, taking care of the mind and good mental health. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to look at verse 37. Read down to verse 30. Jesus said unto unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now look at this. And with all thy mind. Hmm. Interesting that Jesus put that in there. Because when we think of the spiritual, we, we think of the soul, we think of the heart, but we don't often think of the mind. He goes on to say, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Two things, God says. And the first thing is, love God with all your mind. How do you love God with your mind? How do you do that? How, how, how do you do that? You, you, you think about God. You think a lot about God. You, you go every day thinking about God. You ask yourself, what does God think? What does God say? What does God do? And we seek to find that God in his word. That's the only place we can really know him. And then we spend time talking to him. You know, when people struggle with issues in their life, especially mental issues, what do we do? We say, you need to talk to someone. You need to talk to a counselor. You need to talk to somebody who can help you. And there are some professional people, that professional counselors, that can help in many of those issues. But if we don't talk to God first, we miss out on a great opportunity. How do we talk to God? In prayer. Father, David did it. Father, I'm hurting. My my bones are aching, I hurt so bad. My soul is heavy. Lord, help me. How long do I have to go through this? Now listen, David went through it for a while. It didn't happen immediately. God didn't say, okay, boom, you're good. He had to take some time. He had to let David go through those deep waters. He had to let him go through those tough times so that David could begin to look inwardly and see that he was concentrating on the wrong things. David wasn't thinking about, in this passage, he wasn't thinking about conquering Goliath. He wasn't thinking about killing a bear and a lion. He wasn't thinking about coming home with the ark and on, the, on the road of triumph and dancing and, and so joyful his, his wife was almost embarrassed of him. didn't think about that. He thought about his enemies. He thought about everybody that hated him. He thought about all those people that he had conquered and worn, how they wanted to take his life, and it began to eat away at him. And listen, we do the same thing. We start thinking about everybody that doesn't like us. We think about everybody that criticizes us. And pretty soon we start to take that and we turn it against ourselves and we begin to criticize and we begin to hate ourselves. When you talk to God, God does not respond with, yeah, you're a loser. He doesn't do that. 
He says, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And we sing those songs and we talk about opening those arms of God and how God loves us and, and God calls us in. And we have opportunity to hear that from him when we speak to him. To focus all our love on God, all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our minds is to focus on love. God is love. Many people that I've dealt with over the years that struggle with the, with the mind and the losing of the mind don't feel loved for whatever reason. And they sometimes struggle with giving love because they feel inadequate in giving love. Nobody wants my love. Nobody needs my love. But when we think about God, we concentrate on love. God is love. Remember when we were kids and you, you had a problem and, and you fell down, got hurt, some bully picked on you at school, you didn't make the hockey team, you know, whatever, you didn't get the date you wanted, and you came home and you were upset and you were crying? What, what, what did your parents do for you? Well, your dad usually said, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I'll call the wambulance, you know, stuff like that. But your mother oftentimes would wait till you two were alone, and she'd open her arms, and she'd embrace you, and she would tell you, it's okay. I love you. And that in itself often changed the whole situation. Just to know somebody loved you. I uh, met with the family of this firefighter the night that it happened. I went to the home and met with them. And I walked in. I don't know the people. I'd never met them. I just became chaplain a while ago. And I walked in. And here's the mother of that man. And her head's down. I can see she's obviously shocked. And she's grieving. And I looked up. And her eyes met. And I could just see a woman who was broken. And I said this, and I, I don't always do it, but she was an older lady. And I said to her, I said, ma'am, I don't even know you. I'm Pastor Stone, and I just want to give you a hug. And we stood, her husband was there, her sons were there, the fire chief was there, some others. And I just embraced that lady, and she collapsed into my shoulder and just wept. And she wept for a little bit, and I let her go. And she looked at me, she said, thank you. I needed that. Sometimes that's all it takes, just to know that you're loved. And God does love us. The Bible tells us to focus all of our attention, our heart, our soul, and mind. And focus is this. It's, it's to look at things that are pure, purity. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. When you feel like the arrows of life are coming at you, you can't handle the, the bills and the marriage and the kids and the grandkids and the, and the COVID and, the, and the, the high prices. And He's a shield that protects us. We, we, we think on pure things. And those often who struggle in their minds do not think of pure things. They think of corrupted things. Then we're to concentrate on truth. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in, you know it, say it with me, truth, in truth. I love the truth. I feel today, and it's been for a while, I believe that we've been lied to many times. I think our government has not been completely honest with us about some things. I don't think some of our medical professions have been completely honest about some things. And, and we're seeing that we're seeing that come about. We're seeing some of those things being challenged. And I'm not here to dispute all that tonight, but I'll just tell you this: that 
let's put, let's put the, the situation of the day aside and let's look at other things in life. How many times do we feel lied to in this life? Man, when I was a kid, we were told repeatedly, you tell the truth. I was told this by teachers and parents. If you lie, it's going to be twice as bad as if you tell the truth. The truth has gotten away from us. We see a lot of lies, we believe a lot of lies, and we tell a lot of lies. Most lose their mind when their mind is stayed on hate and impurity and lies. Once we put our minds in order, then number two, we must put our thoughts on God's word. Would you go to Romans chapter 7 with me? Romans chapter 7 and verse 19. Get your mind in order and then put your thoughts on God's word. Now here's the struggle that many of us, if not all of us, face. Paul refused to it. Luke writes for us. He says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Who among us doesn't have that struggle? I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know I should read my Bible more. I know I should pray. I know I should go to church. I know I should tithe. I know I should be a witness. I know I should be a better husband. I know I should be a better wife. I know I should be a better kid. I know I should obey the laws. We can go through all kinds of things. We know what we should be doing. And we struggle, and that second part comes, I know what I shouldn't do, but that I do. Why do we do the things we shouldn't? We're adults tonight. We're grown-ups for the better part tonight. We have some children, some teenagers here tonight. We're all old enough tonight to know what we should do and shouldn't do. And yet we battle with that. We struggle with that on, on a regular basis. And because of that, that brings a battle in our life. I don't know about you, but I say, Lord, I'm going to live the Christian life, and here's some things that I struggle with, and I'm going to have victory over that. And I go a few days, and bam, I fall into that same stinking sin again. I get so frustrated with myself and I get so upset with myself and so disgusted with myself and I have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I've done it again. How stupid am I? I can't say stupid anymore. I have a three-year-old grandson. How silly am I that I would do those things knowing I've got the Bible. I'm a preacher. I've been a Christian since I was nine years of age. I've had Christian parents. I've had a great church and yet I still struggle. To do the right thing knowing what it is. A battle won by the strongest combatant. Do I do right or do I do wrong? The battle is won by the one that I feed the most. And the problem is a lot of times we just don't give strength to the right combatant. Our flesh craves what is easy and what's gratifying, what's immediate. Unfortunately, those things that I should are not. Growing in Christ, like all growing, takes time and energy and work. To have the fulfilled Christian life that I want, to have the good marriage that I want, to have the kids that I want, to have the grandkids that I want, takes time. A lot of time. And it takes a lot of energy. Energy that I don't want to expel on that. And it takes concentration. And it takes, it takes a dedication and it means giving up some things. Joke about eating at restaurants. I, I, for much of my life, I've struggled with trying to keep my weight down. And obviously, I lose the battle. I, I do it in part because if I ever get flesh-hating disease, I've got five or six years to live. 
So this year, this is it. I, I was with my wife. Actually, we were down in Florida, and I, I often wear a suit. Almost always wear a suit. But I wasn't wearing a suit. It was, I'm, out, I'm in Florida. So I got, this, I got my coat off, and I walked by a window, and I look over, and I thought, wow, that guy's pretty heavy. And it was me. I thought, oh, man, I don't like that. I said, Ruthie, I've got, to, I've got to get serious about this. So I've got some weight stuff going. i got a kid in the church who's a, a nutritionist and all this kind of stuff. And I've talked to him and I've talked to my kids. And so they basically said, Dad, you gotta, you got to eat better. You don't eat right. Who didn't know that a pack of Oreos and a bag of barbecue potato chips was not a good meal? Who didn't know that? So I've had to put that stuff aside. I've realized that if I'm going to have my end goal of losing some weight, I have got to put some things away that I love. That are easy. Listen, McDonald's is easy. Cooking vegetables and eating fruit is not so easy sometimes. Eating healthy can be much more expensive. But if I'm going to reach that goal of a better, healthy life, I've got to do that. And the same is true of our mind. If we're going to have a healthy mind, we are going to have to put some things aside. Quit watching some of the movies you're watching. Quit listening to some of the music that you're listening to. Quit going to places that you're going to that draws you away from being what you ought to be in your mind. Listen, this is one of the greatest, this is one of the greatest faults of mind problems today. People are glued to this thing. We can't put it away. We didn't have our internet for a couple days. My modem went down to the house. I thought I was going to lose my mind. There you go. I, I, what am I going to do? I, 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 can't, I can't communicate. I can't, I can't talk to people. I can't, I can't get on and check things and crazy what did we do before we had them you know what we did we talked to people (laughs) you know what we did we went for long walks you know what we did we worked you know what we did we went to bed at night and got some rest so our minds weren't exhausted all the time right listen i might have to put this away i might i might not have to use it I, i might have to get a landline you know where somebody calls the house and you pick it up and you only hear when you're at the house because there's not another phone? Imagine those antique, historic, prehistoric days. Yeah, I might have to do that. But if it means a peace of mind, if it means that I can concentrate on the things that are important in life, I need to be willing to do that. God says, think on these things. Go over just a page to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Think on these things. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and what? Peace. You want peace? Think on those things that are spiritual. Think on those things that are good. Think on those things that are godly. That's where peace comes from. Would you go over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 with me? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Here's what we're to think on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things that are lovely, whatsoever things that are good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. Could I tell you why many, even in Christianity today, are struggling with their mind and struggling to have a peace of mind? It's because we're not thinking on those things. We're not thinking on the things that are honest and true. We're not thinking on things that are just. 
or pure or lovely. Listen, you watch an hour of television a night, you're not thinking on those things. The commercials, the commercials are enough to cause us to lose our mind in those things. You read the newspaper, you listen to the news, you, you, you be involved in the activities of this world. I'll tell you, the activities of this world do not point people to these things. And we get caught up in that and we deter our minds from being at rest and at peace and we get to where we think we're going to lose our minds. Then let me tell you this, once our thoughts are right to keep from losing our minds, finally we must put away our lying. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, just a page back or so. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23 says this, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know what renewing is? Renewing is restoring. Take an antique car. The one thing in this life I've not had, if God gave it to me, my bucket list would be absolutely complete. A 57 Chevy. Oh, now that's a car. That's a car. 57 Chevy. Those big wings out the back. Woo, chromed up. Convertible be, be best. If you have a hard top, I'll take it. But a, a convertible. Candy apple red or that bright yellow. Maybe the turquoise blue. And, and I've seen guys who have taken those and they're out in a barn or sitting out in a, you know, some farmyard somewhere and a guy brings it in the shop and he starts working on it. He brings it out and it's worth a hundred and some odd thousand dollars because he's renewed it. He's restored it. He's taken something that has been corrupted. He takes something that has been broken. He takes something that, that has been lost and he renews it. He restores it. Can I tell you, there are times in your life when your mind is going to be corrupted. It's going to be tired. It's going to be old. It's going to be spent. It's going to be, it's going to be rusty, as it were. And there are times when we need to come alongside of Christ and say, God, renew me, restore me. God is in the restoration business. I said one time at a youth thing, I said to girls, I said, listen, if you give yourself away and you end up having yourself a baby, your life is going to be, it's going to be, and I said, ruined. And a girl came to me afterwards, and she set me straight. She said, Pastor, does that mean I can never be anything good again? And I said to her, I said, young lady, I misspoke. I said, God can use you. And I went back to the motel room that night, and I wrote a message on God's restoration. Look how many people in the Bible blew it. David! David! Great King David, great King David, who was the great conqueror and all that, had an affair, had a man killed, had an illegitimate child. Did God say, that's it, and cast him aside? No. He went before God and said, God, I'm a sinner. I repent. And God restored him. And there are some of you here tonight who have lived life and you've done some things and, and, and your mind are the worst thing you could have ever done. You think yourself as worthless. You think yourself as used. You think yourself as terrible. You think yourself no good. But I've got news for you. What you see as junk, God sees as a 57 Chevy restored. You take that old piece of junk car and you restore that thing and see it later. It's an amazing transformation. Those men that can do that and have the ability to do that, it's amazing. They're artists in what they do. And they make that as if it were brand new. And that's what God can do with you. And some of you need to get out of the farmyard and get into the shop and let God just renew you in your mind. In your mind. 
You may have to quit listening to and believing and applying the lies that you are told and telling yourself. He, he talks about truth, and we've, we've seen truth a number of times here. Lies come into the minds of people. Lies like this. You're all alone. People that struggle with the mind and with suicide and with depression and anxiety feel all alone. Nobody else goes through this. Nobody understands this. Nobody has ever felt this way but me. That's not true. That's not true. We know it's not true. We have hospitals in this country. We have uh, patients in this country. We have churches full of people who have gone through similar situations in life. You are not alone. That is a lie. Here's another lie. You're a loser. You messed up. You're a loser. You're not what you think you should be. You're a loser. Your marriage isn't perfect. You're a loser. Your kids aren't what you thought. You're a loser. And we listen to that lie, and that's not from God. That's not where those things come from. We start to listen to those things, and pretty soon we believe them. You ever hear the the uh, experiment that was done? Uh, they had somebody come in, and they said, okay, when this person comes in, everybody tell them that they don't look good. Tell them that you know they, they think there's something wrong with them. They didn't tell the person. So they come in, and somebody says, hey, how you doing? Good. You feeling okay? Yeah, I feel great. Never felt better. Oh, you just look a little off today. Oh. And person after person would say, you okay? You all right? You just, something doesn't look right. By the end of the day, the person took the day off and went home because they thought they were sick. Because of the people telling them over and over. And sometimes we hear that over and over again. And it's not necessarily coming from others. It's coming from within. We start believing and we start telling ourselves. Lies like, you'll never make it. You can't make it. You've come to the end. There's nowhere to go. A lie like this, there's no hope. There's no hope. I talked to another firefighter this week, and he said, I was good friends with that guy. He said, and we've been together a number of years. We've been friends for 15 years. And he said, I, I, I sensed, he said, I, it wasn't drastic, but I sensed that there was something that wasn't right. And I said to him just the day before, are you okay, man? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But he said, it's really bothering me. I think my wife's going to leave me and my kids are going to be gone. And I've got, I've got all these bills and, and I've got, not going to have any money and a lawyer and all these things. And his buddy said, listen, it'll be okay. I've been through those things. It'll be all right. You've got a friend. But that man didn't listen. He felt he had no hope. And we as Christians, we who are saved, have a hope. Every one of those lies, absolute lies, refuted by God's truth, the Bible. The Bible says that God is truth, and who is the liar? Satan. The devil is the father of lies. He only lies. He, the truth is not found in him. And so when you hear those lies, no, that's not coming from your father. That's not coming from that one that embraces you. That's not coming from that one that gave his son to die for your soul. It's not coming from that one who calls you his blessed child. It's not coming from that one who counts you as his bride. Those are lies of the devil, and they're lies that we tell ourselves, sometimes in pity, sometimes because we just don't know better. Every one of those are absolute lies refuted by the Bible. The Bible says, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The verse you just said before church, Dad. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yet Jesus on the cross said, Father, why have you left me? My God, my God, 
Why hast thou forsaken me? God was there. But he had to turn his back for a moment because he couldn't look at the sin of the world. There are times in our lives where we feel that God has abandoned us and God has left us and we're all alone. God does not leave us. God has given us a comforter. God has given us a Holy Spirit that lives within us. He indwells us. And his job is to comfort us. And there are times when people come and they want to give love and they want to give encouragement. What do we do? We push them aside. We don't want to involve you. We don't want to open to you. We don't want to reveal to you. So we'll just keep it private and we'll deal with it ourselves. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's right there. He's within us. And he calls for us to call to him. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a loser. You're a winner. Through Jesus Christ, when all is said and done and this life is over, we win. Read the back of the book. We win. The devil is defeated. Sin is defeated. Loneliness is defeated. Anger is defeated. And we win with Jesus Christ. (laughs) The lie is you'll never make it. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can I overcome this loneliness? Yes. Can I overcome this sadness? Yes. Can I overcome this feeling of being less, yes, through Christ. Proverbs ten twenty nine. the way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. God gives us a great strength and hope tonight. Before you do lose your mind or feel like you would, would you attempt something with me for the next 30 days? Let's all of us tonight commit to do this. 30 days, that's it. 30 days, would you put your mind in order in the next 30 days? Would you look at your life and ask yourself, what am I putting into my life that God would not be pleased with? What am I watching? What's on that screen? What am I listening to? Where am I going? What am I saying? What am I reading? Who am I hanging with? What activities am I involved in? And let's get our mind in order. And then for the next 30 days, would you do this? Would you put your thoughts on God's word? Would you get in the book like you've never done it before? And would you begin to read and memorize? And would you begin to just dwell in the word of God? And then finally, would you put away any lies you think you hear? When you start thinking, hey, God doesn't love me, would you write down on a piece of paper, maybe tonight when you go home, God loves me. Big piece of paper, put on the fridge, God loves me. My family loves me. My friends love me. My church loves me. Would you write some of those things down? Would would you write down that he'll never leave or forsake you? God gives us victory. I can do all things and put those things in front of you. If you still feel after 30 days that you're still losing your mind, would you do this? Number one, call your doctor. And when you hang up the phone with the doctor, would you, number two, call your pastor and say, Pastor, can I come in and see you? I need to talk to you. I'm struggling. Men, pastor, I'm struggling. Could I talk to you man to man? You might not want to tell your wife. You might not want to tell your kids. You might not want to tell your best friend. But you can tell your pastor. Let me tell you something about Pastor Alfieri. He loves this church. He loves you people. He's a man that can... Talk to you and keep it to himself and direct you. He's got great wisdom. Let's start the process right now. 
Let's come tonight and take some time to put our mind in order. God, I've been struggling. God, I'm hurting. God, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And tonight, I want to reorder my mind. I want to think on your things. Help me tonight with that. Let's start right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for another great time tonight in this church. Thank you for the time that we've spent. And God, I pray now that as we take just a few moments to maybe help somebody in this auditorium tonight who feels like they're on the edge, they're on the ledge, they're ready to give up, they're ready to quit, I pray tonight that they'd come and say, God, I don't want to quit. I don't want to leave. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anymore. God, I just need your help. And God, I pray tonight that someone would come and say, God, please help me. Maybe they'd let someone pray with them tonight, encourage them tonight. Maybe there's some tonight who have already gone those things and have some expertise in that area because you've gone through that exact same thing. And you say, listen, I just want to help you and pray with you and encourage you. Maybe there's some here tonight that need to put their thoughts on God's word. Maybe there's some here tonight that need to come and say, God, I've been lying to myself. I've been listening to the lies of the devil. And tonight I'm going to listen to the truth of God's word for a change. Help us, I pray, when we feel like we're losing our minds. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And in a moment, Judy's going to sing. We're going to stand to our feet as we did this morning. We're going to bow our heads. And I'm going to encourage you to come to this altar tonight. We had a great altar call this morning. I was so pleased to see people come. Maybe you need to come tonight and get on your face and say, God, I'm lonely. God, I'm hurting. God, I've, those, I don't know how we got that message. I don't know how God gave it to him, but that's exactly how I feel, God. And tonight, I want to get my mind in order. I want to get right. Maybe tonight you'll stand where you're at and you'll beg God for the help that you need. And as we did this morning, when you're done praying, you're going to be seated. And when a number of people have been seated, we'll close the service. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. Our heads are about to rise or close. The music begins to play here for Judy. And as that music plays and she sings softly tonight, would you pray? Would you pray? Would you begin praying right now? Right now? Right now? If you need to come, now is your time to come. You want to spend some time this over, come now. The door is open. Come on in as you are. This is your time. The door is open. Come on in as you are. All you need to bring is what remains of your heart. I'll take you just the way you are. Take your time. Come find the perfect love that no one deserves. Your love tonight. A peace so sweet it can't be put into words. Oh, that peace of mind and heart and soul. And grace that's greater than 
Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for a church, a church family, a church home who loves us and cares for us, for a pastoral staff to guide us and direct us and help us. We're thankful for those things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you this before I leave tonight. How many of you know someone tonight that you would say, Pastor, that message is about somebody that I know tonight. I know somebody who's hurting like that tonight. Would you slip your hand up and hold it tonight? I know someone like that. Would you do, do this tonight? Would you call them tonight and just say, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. I know you've been going through a tough time. And I want you to know there's somebody here who will help you. And if I can't be there, I want to introduce you to somebody who can. His name is Jesus. And he provides for us a Holy Spirit that indwells us and comforts us. They're hurting people tonight, hurting people in this country. Let's reach out and tell them Jesus loves them.